Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. This episode of Enough About Me is brought to you by the exclusive sponsor of Enough About Me, my great friends at Milton's. If you want to go to Milton's, as we did yesterday, uh, to get your shopping, your clothing needs taken care of, you're a guy like Ken Laird. We watched Ken Laird. Uh, turn from a slob into a prince, into a giant, into $10 million. Thanks to Milton's, you walk in there. If you don't know anything, they're going to walk you through the process. The one I go to is in Chestnut Hill Square, Chestnut, uh, at the Ch- in Chestnut Hill. Not the uh, I don't go to the one in Braintree, although I'm told the one in Braintree is great. You should go there as well. It's at the mall there. But the one I go to, I park my car. I have to pay for your parking. It's not crowded. It's not mobbed. You walk in. They walk you through it. You get the clothes you want. You look great. You walk out at a great price. I mean, how difficult is this? So many things in life are complicated and difficult and screwed up. It's nice once in a while for things not to be. And that's where Milton's comes in. Milton's is the store for men. Social Plaza in Braintree and Chestnut Hill Square in Chestnut Hill. Milton's is the store for men. Okay, we're ready to go. I'm doing back-to-back mailbags for the first time ever. Uh, we love the mailbags here uh, because I have to talk to another human being. We'll start having some more guests on here. Uh, and by the way, you are uh, feel free to tweet at me at Kirkman as you did so many times for this uh, for this mailbag again. If you have any ideas for guests, I'm open to any guest ideas. I'm still open, by the way, to some producer uh, possibilities as well. Same thing at Kirkman. If you are a young, ambitious, smart person who wants to produce a uh, wildly popular podcast, <clears throat> this is your opportunity to do so. Let's go to the mailbag. As always, I tweet out. I take questions. I'm looking through here. 20 pages of questions or whatever. Uh, here we go. I'll start. I'm just randomly looking here. <clears throat> uh, do, do, do. do you think the show's emphasis on sharing personal stories and the post-show podcast have had a therapeutic effect on Chris Curtis? I have no idea. <clears throat> Curtis is somebody I don't, I don't really know that well off the air. We talk once in a while. We basically only talk about show stuff. I have no idea if it's been therapeutic or not. Um, I, I would guess in some ways it has, but in some ways it probably hasn't. I, I think some of the personal stuff he's not crazy about talking about, but I think he knows it's part of the deal. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I have no idea. I think <sighs> Curtis is a strange guy. Like I said, I've worked with him now for almost five years and yet really have no off-air relationship with him whatsoever. And still, in fact... Uh, when I'm out with him socially, if we're having a lunch or a work dinner or on a trip together, I can't get fucking away from him fast enough. For some reason, he still, underneath it all, annoys me more than anybody else. I don't know why that is. I don't know what that's about. Uh, it's probably more about me than Curtis, but yes, I would say it's uh, it's Curtis. Uh, <clears throat> let me see. Nah. Nah. Can I get Fel- a couple of Felger questions? Can I get Felger on the uh, <clears throat> podcast? Uh, no, I can't. Felger is contractually obligated to a competitor, uh, I believe, or at least will be soon enough. Uh, I don't think he has any interest in doing it. Uh, so, no, I mean, I've asked. I've asked for all those guys over there. They've all said no. I understand why they think. Well, I should say this. I understand why, but I don't understand why. <clears throat> because I think if you go on another, like if, if, if somebody over there had a podcast, I don't know if they do or not. I don't know. Pick pick a person. Felger or Maz or Fred or Zolak or any of those guys. <clears throat> Bertrand. And said to me, hey, I'm doing a podcast. I want to have you on. I would do it in two seconds because I think I would come across well. And then uh, people listening say, hey, this guy might be an interesting guy. He has some good thoughts. I'm going to go find him in another format. This is the thing about podcasts and radio. People say, oh, some people say, some say, oh, radios, uh, podcasts are fucking up radios. It hurts this. It hurts. No, it doesn't. If they like you, if they think you're a good personality, they will follow you into a different format. So that's why I've asked them. They've said no. They've said, what good will it do me? Like Fred Toucher a few months ago. Uh, I think it would do them lots of good. From our station perspective, I would, if I were in charge here, I'd probably say, you know what? I don't think that's a great idea. Because what if they come across great? They want to find them somewhere else. We're giving them a platform. That's what I don't get. If 98.5 asked me to go on one of their podcasts, 
any of them, I would do it in two seconds. My guess is they would say no. And by the way, that'd probably be the right instinct for them. Hmm. <clears throat> a lot of Dino questions, as always. Uh, you sometimes, this is Ralph Leonard Royal. You sometimes seem to get a little angry when Jerry Callahan reminisces fondly of his career with John Dennis. Yes or no, elaborate on why. Um, I do not, as a matter of fact. John and Jerry had a crazy great run together. Um, you know, before I got there, it was 14, 15 years. It was almost 20 in total. Absolutely no issues with that. The only thing that does bother me sometimes, a little bit, as I've said in the past, is this is sort of this idea, this mythology, that uh, John and Jerry got along great. I showed up. And Jerry picked me. I heard Lou spewing this bullshit last week when Dino was on. Um, it's not true. I mean, when I walked in there, I walked into a, a relationship that was uh, damaged, a relationship that was, I think, effectively over. They didn't talk a lot then. They didn't like each other, which is okay. You can do a show if you don't like somebody. But uh, this idea that I came in and, 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 and you know, um, uh, worked my way through and up and behind and, you know, coerced Jerry and this is bullshit. I mean, Jerry didn't like John. John didn't like Jerry. I came in. After a while, I didn't like John. John didn't like me. That's it. But when Jerry uh, elaborates on these stories, I, I like them. I like the old <clears throat> Dino stories. I mean, hell, I was at lunch yesterday uh, and, and elaborated on a bunch of these stories. Every day after the show, we elaborate on these stories. This is part of what we do. Uh, so, no, I do not mind that at all. I'll, I'll answer a few other Dino questions because I don't think we did them sort of enough uh, last time. So I'm going to do a few of those. <clears throat> um, hmm. Let me cross that out. I'm trying to get rid of them all. I've got you know hundreds of these fucking things. I don't want to repeat them. Okay. Uh, Matt Jur wants to know, please rank the producers you've worked with. Chach, Iggy, Stitch, Sausage, Paul, Ken, Curtis. Uh, I would say the two guys right now, with the way we're doing our show right now, would be one and two. Uh, Ken and Curtis are one and two. Uh, I liked working with Paul. I didn't work with Paul enough to form an opinion uh, Stitch and Chach were, were just, it was too early. I didn't really work with Iggy, I don't think. I filled in. I mean, producers, I worked with all of them, basically, between weekends and filling in before I was on with John and Jerry and then with John and Jerry. I mean, you know, I've probably worked with four, 30 or 40 of them. I don't know. But of them right now, Ken and Curtis, for what we want them to do, do a better job than any producers I've ever had. And it's actually, truthfully, it's not even close. Not even close right now. Uh, they're doing a great job, which is why, and you know, they think sometimes, and I think the listeners think sometimes, oh, this is Kirk doing his thing. Uh, the, the, the. No, I legitimately don't know why it makes sense to take away uh, any part uh, uh, of the attention being directed toward the show from the producers to the most important show at the station by far and have them do anything else, especially book goddamn fucking weekend shows. Can't they just say to them, you know what? We're going to give you an extra whatever. It's not $25,000, $50,000. It's not. The raise they got, I'm sure, was much less than that. And say, so you've done a good job. Here's your bonus. Focus on keeping this show number one. That is far more important. We could get a goddamn fucking anybody to do the uh, other stuff. But, you know, decisions were made. Again, we're not consulted. And there you go. So I'm upset about that. Do I think Kevin Curtis will be as good uh, uh, producers of the show a year from now, six months from now, as they were six months ago or three weeks ago with this new responsibility? I do not. And that pisses me off. That absolutely pisses me off. Hmm. Okay. Why do you allow them to play that shitty promo for the afternoon show during your show? Uh, well, the promos, I think, overall at the station suck. You know, that's not, by the way, that's not, like, our, our promos for our show suck. That's not a like comment on the afternoon show. We'll do a segment that's funny and kind of wild and, and loud and laugh. And then they'll go to a promo from Dale and Holly where they're talking about something that's, it's, that we would never talk about. And our listeners are listening to that saying, these guys mock that kind of talk and then they're promoting it. Why would I, if I like this show, go listen to that show? If these guys have a fun conversation or bust each other's balls, if that happens on that show, play that during our show. That makes more sense. The promo stuff at our station makes apps, zero sense, none. Good question by Jason McLaughlin. Good questions. I think the promos suck, and I think they have a different um, uh, attitude than the one that our show has and the one that the midday show has. It, it makes no sense to me. I never understand that. Uh, Blant says, don't sing Whitney Houston again or sing any song ever again. I ha actually happen to disagree. This is one of these things where, you know, you could say whatever you want. I know I have a great singing voice. I know for a fact uh, uh, if I had wanted to, I could have been a, a huge, huge music star. Huge music star. I could sing any way to use the song right now. Um, and I would kill it. Absolutely kill it. Pick one. Good. 
Pick one. I'll just randomly pick one. How about uh, All the Man That I Need? I'm happy to sing that song. I'm comfortable enough. I used to cry myself to sleep at night, but that was all before he came. I thought love had to turn out right, but now he's here. It's not the same. It's not the same. He fills me up. He gives me love. More love than I've ever seen. He's all I've got. He's all I've got in this world. But he's all the man that I need. I mean, you know, absolutely no. A great version of that. So, yeah, I have a great singing voice. So, Blance T.Y., at B-L-A-N-C-E-T-Y, fuck you. I'm a great singer, and I will not stop singing. And I won't I'll be bullied on Twitter by people like you. I will not be harassed online. I will continue the battle. I'm sorry, I will. So there you go. Uh, hmm. do, 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 do. Aside from Springsteen, this is Dustin Boucher, where does Neil Young fall in your list of greatest songwriters and musicians of all time? Favorite album songs by him. So <clears throat> I think... And you guys could disagree. I think of Springsteen, Petty, Mellencamp, Seeger, and Young as sort of in that same camp. And I have never, Neil Young has never been my guy. Ever. For some reason. I he's just I, I like him. I I think he's, you know, had a great career. He's a great singer, a great songwriter, but I've never been a Neil Young fan. A couple of songs I like, but he's not one of my guys. You know, I think at some point, I talked about this uh, uh in the podcast with Curran. At some point, you have to say, these are my guys. I'm going to go <clears throat> down the river with these guys. I'm going to ride that river with them. And for me, it was Bruce and Petty and Seeger in that order by far. I mean, Bruce by far, you know, 90% of it, and then Petty and Seeger. A little Mellencamp, not as much. I just didn't have room for other people. I didn't. The other people had to fall by the wayside. Jerry gives me shit all the time for it, but I, I admit I'm hyper-focused too much on Bruce. So Neil Young is one of those guys who's just, you know, a casualty of my music war. He's out. Uh, if you had died last weekend in the wreck, who would have given your eulogy? What would they have said? Would Trenny have gone to the funeral? Asks Mark Stevens at Mark Stevens Golf. Give him a follow. If I had died last Sunday in the wreck, which, by the way, like we joke around, could have easily happened. That fucking wreck. Still, when I'm driving, I could picture that car coming in my 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 right you know eye sees it the last second, one one thousandth of a second. Who would have given my eulogy? Hmm. <clears throat> I would say my friend Jim, who lives out in California, would be a good choice. Uh, my brother Ryan would be a good choice. Uh, both my brothers, I guess. Maybe Jerry. Uh, somebody like that. I don't know. What would they have said? I'm a hard one, I think. They, to, to, I think they would have said good father, good family guy, good son, tried his best, passionate about his work. But I, I don't. I don't. I don't know if there's any great stories about me, about me being a great guy. I happen to be one. I just don't know if there's any individual stories about that. Would Trenny have gone to the funeral? Absolutely not. If it was a work day, she wouldn't have gone. Just want to say, so sorry, Herr Kirkda. Got Mrs. Sama. Hashtag Mrs. Mare. Every time the sun goes out and sun goes down, I'm gonna thank God I'm alive and thank so much a cut out there today. All right. <clears throat> Let me see. Please reveal the two lines you would say to Bruce in the event that you had the chance to meet his acquaintance. I've said this a lot in the past. Uh, <clears throat> I I know what I would say to Bruce Springsteen if I met him. And it's, and it's lame and pathetic, and I'm going to get mocked for it. But I would say to Bruce Springsteen very simply, uh, your music is... Help me understand my dad, and your music helps me understand my kids. And thank you for that. You've made me a better son and a better father. And I mean that. <clears throat> I mean that. I had a, a complicated, at times, relationship with my dad. I'm not, and I will not cry. I'm not crying in this fucking podcast. I'm not going to do it. You've got a man in a room in a booth the size of, I don't know. I'm going to pace the booth out right now. One, two, three. Three, three across. One, one, two. So, 
essentially three by two, whatever. I don't fucking know how that works. It's small. It's like the one fucking Zarniev is in. And I'm sitting there singing Whitney Houston songs and crying and ranting and raving. And it's enough, enough. No crying this week. But uh, as a teenager, as is often the case with sons and fathers, uh, my dad and I had a difficult relationship. Not that difficult. There are many that are worse. We had a hard time communicating. We didn't understand each other. And the Springsteen songs, uh, being able to listen to them and have somebody else who was a little older, who I admired, who was going through, had gone through the same stuff, meant a lot to me as a kid. I can remember, you know, listening to the records as a kid and understanding that. And Bruce has written songs about fatherhood that are that are awesome, that 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 uh, that uh, that encapsulate the whole experience perfectly. There's a song called "Living Proof," where he says, you know, having a kid is like finding the missing words of uh, of some prayer that you could never you could never make, which is exactly right. You don't know have a, a thing in your head, like a word in your head that you can't remember what it is. It frustrates you, and you hear it, and it's relief. When you have that kid, it's that feeling. You've been you, what am I what am I missing in my life? And then you have it. You say, there it is. And you sort of exhale and you understand it. So Bruce did that for me. And I would say that to Bruce is everybody says stupid shit to Springsteen all the time. You'd have no memory of it. But for me, that's why that's one of the great many reasons why uh, he means so much to me. Hmm, let me see. Why is texting and driving accepted? Killing innocent people daily. I propose six month license suspension for first offense. I agree. I mean, I you know, and I've been guilty of doing it in the past. I will never, ever, ever, fucking, ever, ever, fucking, ever do it again. Ever, ever, ever. I have no doubt. Uh, I believe. I do not know this yet. It'll be uh, uh, uncovered. I would guess at some point. I have no doubt that this 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 young guy was texting while he was driving. Doesn't make him a bad guy, but he was doing it. I think. And as I said, when I got out of the car after I got hit. First thing is is your shock. You're like, what? And the movies capture perfectly. Honestly, it's kind of what you feel. You pull the car over and you look out, and the kid gets out of the car. And with the first time I see him, he's down. And his phone texting away, and I'm thinking, this fucking kid was texting. He was texting. And Jerry says it all the time. It's more dangerous than drunk driving, and I agree because it's far more prevalent than drunk driving. When you go out today and you drive around, you're not going to see 27 people driving drunk. You're going to see fucking 40 people texting and driving all the time, and. You know, it's it's insane. And when you're dr- driving drunk, and I'm not defending it, but you're looking ahead generally. You're actually watching the road. Although people probably fucking text and drink, drive drunk now too, so I don't know. Six-month suspension is fine for me, and I want police officers now to be stronger against it. I do, and I want that goddamn fucking text line out of the uh, out of the station, out of the, out of the uh, studio. Nothing good comes out of it. First of all, they all suck. And secondly, they're all texting and driving while they do it. Tell us about your L.A. days. I know there's crazy stories you're holding out on. I am, and I'm going to do a special L.A.-only uh, podcast with some guys I know from back in L.A. At some point here in the next couple of months, we are doing that. <clears throat> hmm. Let me see. Uh, do you really run five miles every single day? Do you take any off days? How much... Did your time improve at the end? I'm not going to get my time. But, yeah, I run every single day. I mean, I'll take the occasional every few weeks I'll take a day off, maybe every three or four weeks. But every day I do, yeah, and I, and I like doing it. And if I don't do it, I feel nuts. Jerry's teasing me about, about that, but I do. I feel like this morning I didn't run before the show, and I feel a little more on edge than usual. I'll run, and I'll feel a little better. I mean, that's a fact, no question. Uh, when's your next marathon? Uh, I don't know. And I don't really feel like doing one right now. I don't feel like training for one. I don't want to get up that early in the morning. I don't want to train in the winter. I'm not going to do one for a while anyway. I don't mind this five, six miles in the morning, maybe a mile or two in the afternoon. Plenty for me. Uh, a couple of good ones on this page. I'll go back to them. Hmm. <clears throat> Who's a better father, Dale or Holly? Dale, no question. That's not even close. I mean, Holly, you know, is never home. He's doing these four different shows. Dale's a much better father. <clears throat> Uh, have you ever had a gay experience? Interesting question. Let me think of this. Have I ever had a gay experience? Phil McCracken, 17, asks. A homosexual experience? I have not. Um, and I have to admit, it's just not something that in any way appeals to me. And you feel like, it's 2017, you live in a world where you're almost embarrassed to say you haven't had a gay experience. You feel like just I should make one up, I should cook one. But I have not. I have not. Hmm. 
Lauren Gilbert asks, in your opinion, what was the funniest segment on Kirk and Callahan? <clears throat> uh, hmm. The funniest segment on Kirk and Callahan, I think, has to be Battle of the Brainless 2. Clarence Clearwater Revival is literally the hardest I've ever laughed in my entire life was, uh, was Mutt saying Clarence Clearwater Revival. I, almost, I swear to God I almost vomited. Uh, but we've had a lot of them in this first 16, 17 months, whatever it's been. We've had a lot of them. <clears throat> we have a good time. We laugh a lot. There's this idea, this misconception that the show's angry. And Jerry can get angry. I can get angry. But we laugh more than any show out there. I put up next to anybody. And there's also this, and I see a bunch of questions about, you know, <clears throat> uh, race and racism and all. We're the most open-minded, uh, uh, the most inclusive show in radio. <clears throat> it's not even close. We would welcome anybody. I don't care what color you are. I don't care where your sexual orientation is. I don't care. I don't, I don't care. If you want to come in and you're funny and you're interesting and you're going to help the show, you are welcome in. In fact, you know, the crazier you are, the better you are, frankly. I mean, we are the most inclusive show in radio. <clears throat> hmm. uh, let's see. <clears throat> uh, what? Nah, I'm not going to do that. Uh Why can't you admit Sean McDonough sucks for Monday Night Football, given your hatred for anything old-timey sounding ESPN? I think McDonough's a good play-by-play guy. I mean, I think the role of a play-by-play guy, I think as we've, as we've gotten older in time, we understand that it's not quite as complicated as we thought it would be. But as play-by-play guys go, uh, I mean, I would put McDonough right up there. I don't, I don't understand that. Why is your show not called Minahan and Callahan? It's a no-brainer. flows off the tongue because we have people around here who say, uh, let's just call it Kirk and Callahan. Minahan and Callahan kind of sound like. Let's call it, uh, there's no, no research put into it. I mean, you think about it. <clears throat> so we started the show. John left a morning show that was an enormous success by any standard, a huge success for decades. Uh, they move him out. They put me in. I'm here already, but they, they move us around, whatever, however you want to call it. No promotion done for it. I mean, when I say no promotion, fucking no promotion. Initially, they were talking about, <laughs> there were stories, they were talking about keeping the name Dennis and Callahan with John's not, not there anymore because it was a brand name. I mean, you're having conversations like this with people. Uh, and, you know, no promotion, no commercials, no billboards, nothing. No, nothing, nothing. Just roll it out and do your show and here we go. And we did. <clears throat> and, you know, I think the, the sort, sort of the, and I want to do this as his own podcast at some point as well, as sort of the the few weeks with John leaving and us starting a new show and the battles we fought to get the show we wanted, I think would be a good, with a bunch of different guests, it would be a good hour-long podcast. We'll do that at some point. All I would say is we had to fight tooth and nail to get the show we wanted. We were lucky that the ratings were great from the start. If they weren't, we would have had battle after battle after battle. If we did our show and the way we do it and got the ratings that other people did, they would want us to do that kind of show. You know, but if that kind of show gets ratings aren't as good as ours, they never say to those people, try to be more like them. You know, that conversation never happens, which always baffles me. Absolutely baffles me. All right, and F, and F Mary Kill. Trenny Mutt and Jamel Hill. Jesus. Oof. Oof. Mmm. Ugh. I guess I have to kill Mutt. Although I think Mutt would be a good husband. Oof. I mean, tough call here. I guess I'd marry Trenny, I guess. Oh, God. Ugh. I, I, oof. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'd marry Trenny and kill Mutt, I guess. I don't think I, Mutt's too hairy. I don't, think, I don't think I could sleep with him. Uh, what happened in Mutt's life that's made him such a loser? Why does he compensate with bodybuilding, gambling, alcohol, and fake outrage? Excellent question. Uh, by smearing feces. I'm glad he weighed in. <clears throat> uh, I don't know. Something's missing. Mutt's a weird guy. Uh, one of my best friends, but a weird guy. Um, I don't know what's going on. He's talked about it though. He's, he's compensating for something. I don't know what happened as a youth. I don't know what's happened. If he was six foot two, I think he might be different. I honestly think that. I think some of it's a height issue, but he's compensating for something that's going on in his life where he's moving around. He's, his weird little addictions with the drinking and the gambling, and the bodybuilding and the this weird stuff that's going on. There's something deep going on. Uh, that we've tried to dig and find out, <clears throat> but uh, I don't know. Do you feel anxiety when you battle with someone on the air? How do you control any emotions during a fight? <clears throat> you know, I don't know. I think, I think, 
Uh, I do a pretty good job controlling it. Others would disagree. I think it's important to be angry on the air if you're actually angry and let it out. I think because that's what people do in real life. They don't want to hear fake arguments. Those suck. What I think is important is understanding when it's done, that it's done, and you move on to the next thing. Two or three years ago, and I think a big reason why was because John was there and I didn't want him there and he didn't want me there, is I would let it ruin the entire show for me. Now I don't. Now I act like a baby. I have my little, you know, bitchy fight with somebody or I yell and scream, and it's over. Go to a break. We come back, and I'm fine. That, I think, is a big thing. I think when, when everybody in the room wants you there, you want everyone there, and it's an environment you enjoy and you're having a good time. That's the big difference. You can have real fights and be pissed and fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Go to the break, uh, and then you're fine. That, I think, is the biggest difference. <clears throat> Man, there's a lot of pictures. Hmm. Any other backstory between you and Ben? Ben Kitchener, former producer. Not really. <clears throat> and, you know, I know Holly and, and Keith seem to take satisfaction that Ben trapped me in some lie. I don't think he did. Uh, and here's the thing. Like, it's not that con- like it's not this big thing. If Ben had been producer of our show and Chris wasn't here, that would have been fine. I've been happy to offer him the job. I don't think we did because Jerry wasn't aware of it. It's a weird, it's, it's, I think it's more of a uh, semantical issue. I don't know. Uh, I, I think Ben did a great job producing this podcast. I think it kind of stinks he's leaving. I think it's too bad he's leaving the afternoon show. Uh, my guess is that uh, that him leaving had a lot more to do with the afternoon show, which, again, privately, he's told me many times he's dissatisfied with. Um, then, then, and publicly, by the way. I don't think he's, a, I think he's got issues with that show. Then the podcast, I think he thinks he has a good opportunity to do something in, 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 in private business. And I, I think he'll do a great job. He's a smart guy. He works hard. Worked so hard for this podcast. You'll never hear me say a bad word about Ben as a producer for this podcast ever, ever, ever. Did a great job. Worked tirelessly. Went above and beyond. So I have no issues with Ben whatsoever. None. <clears throat> How do you think your WEI career will end? On your own terms or will you get fired? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'll get fired eventually at some point. I think that I'll, you know, they'll say, I, I don't think it'll be something necessarily stupid. I think they'll just say, we're getting so much pressure on this. We have to do this. Sorry, we don't want to do this, but we're moving on. Whether that's two years from now, four years from now, 18 months, six years, I have no idea. But, yeah, I don't think on my own terms, I'd like to be out of here, you know, 50, 50 years old. Do I think I can last another seven-plus years here? I do not. Nope. I think I'll get fired. Uh, scenario here from Brad. Joey is sick. Chris Curtis has been ordered to suspend you. Do you hang up when he calls? I mean, it just, I, I, you know, it's scary to think that Curtis and Ken right now are number two. And if that happened, if Joey or if Joey left for another job, it'd probably be the acting program directors of the station. I mean, you have no idea the level of insanity that is. I mean, if he, I just would ignore it. I'd hang up the phone and go to work the next day. It's true. Do you really consider walking away this summer due to your parents? You're just looking for people to beg you to stay, asks uh, Bernard. Um I would say I consider walking away realistically. I mean, I'm 42. What, I mean, what the fuck am I going to do for, you know, 30 years? <clears throat> Although I'll be dead of cancer in my 60s. That's a fucking stone-cold lock. A little bit, I thought, you know, I think in a different job, in a different job, where, you just, where like, you know, you can't leave this job for six months. You just can't. Uh, if I had a different job, I think I would have asked for some extended time off. I think I would have asked for three, four months off. I feel a little better now. I'm tired, you know. As we're doing this, I feel a little better now, but uh, <clears throat> but I, I I don't. I think over the summer and even like in September, I just felt off, a little off, um, and sort of you know still kind of fucked up over it. It was just so fast, and, the, and it happened you know within seven weeks, and I was just didn't want to really deal with any of that. And going to work, well, I still enjoyed it, and 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 the guys were great. Everyone was great at the station. It just felt weird and odd, and you felt numb. You felt a little like you just woke up after a long nap, that kind of feeling. You kind of feel out of it. So I needed I needed a break, um, and, I, and they gave me plenty of time off. I took plenty of time off, but I wouldn't have minded six months off just to relax and hang out with the kids and just do that. Yeah, in a perfect world, I wouldn't have minded that. Yeah, so I considered it. I mean, I didn't consider walking away long-term, but if I had a different job, I would have taken some long-term something, I think, and done it. <clears throat> Have you ever had one of Kate and, Par- Har- Kate and Harry's friends, a parent of one of Kate and Harry's friends, uh, come up to you and complain about something you said on the radio? Never. Never. Absolutely not. Uh, that has not happened. Um, 
I've had parents come up to me and joke around. I mean, you know, dads come up to your birthday parties or whatever. Maybe they're offended. I have no idea. But they're all, uh, they're all nice. They're, they're, they're all nice. That's not been an issue so far. I don't know what they really complain about when I said on the radio. I think they might disagree with me politically. They might think I'm a fucking idiot. But, you know, I keep the, the, the drama of Kate and Harry generally and their friends uh, away from on air. So, no, I don't think so. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, how do you feel about reading all these adults who are obsessed with you personally? Uh, it's unhealthy. Seriously, does it make you feel weird? No, I like it. I got a fucking ego like everybody else. I like the people who are interested in what I have to say. I wouldn't be doing this for a job if I didn't. And I think I've made myself an interesting radio personality. And I think I've allowed listeners uh, to think that they know me and want to know more about me. That is my job. My job is not to be a sports talk host. My job is to be an interesting, compelling radio personality. And I am the most compelling personality on this station by 50,000 fucking yards. It's not even close. Not even close. So, no, I don't mind it. I mean, there's some questions I just say I'm not answering this because they're stupid. But, no, I don't mind that. Um, hmm. Curtis said on the real KNC that Dino was a dick about Jerry's parents. Can you expand? Um, I don't think he said that. I think he alluded to it. And that's Jerry's story to tell. All I would say is that, I guess this is Matt Jer asking, I guess here's what I'd say. And you can figure it out from here. And maybe I'll get Jerry to respond on that Friday when we play this sound. <laughs> no, I'm not doing. I'm not doing this. Deep breath. There are. There is when you go through a process, whether it's with your parents, or God forbid, I don't know how parent people do with their kids. They're so fucking incredible. It's amazing to me. These parents at the Jimmy Fund are unbelievable. I mean, parents anywhere who do this with their kids. But there comes a point uh, where you go through a battle, a long battle, where one of your parents, let's just say, one of your parents is really sick. And the end is finally arrived and it's hospice time or the very, very end. And you're around and you're saying goodbye. And you hope you've said everything you have to say. You hope you've done everything you can do. And you hope your dad or your mom feels the same way. Those are moments, those very, 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 very last moments. And I can, I'm looking right now ahead and I can picture, I'm looking at it right in front of me as clear as can be. The very end uh, are sacred. And if somebody, for instance, texts you something personally insensitive and incredibly rude and wrong and fucking illogical and stupid, just as an example, it shows they are a goddamn selfish fucking asshole who nobody misses and nobody ever wants to hear from again because they're irrelevant and they're gone. They are fucking shit. They are assholes. That's what I would say. Just as an example, nothing specific, nobody specific, just sort of a scenario, that's all. Uh, or that to happen, I would hate that person for the rest of my goddamn fucking life until my last breath. That's what I would say. <clears throat> all right, what else? Ty Anderson wants to know, who's a WEI guy, will you be a guest on Saturday Skate? New look, new time, 3.40 a.m. on Wednesdays. There you go. I am happy uh, to be a guest on Saturday Skate at any point this year if Ken Lair or Ty Anderson want to have me on. Absolutely no problem. Uh, hmm. Let me see. <clears throat> I saw somebody tweet this at Kenny last night. What are your top three favorite drops? Uh, hmm. My three favorite Kirk and Callahan drops. I mean, I have to admit, it's not a drop necessarily. There are a couple of things that make me laugh my ass off every single time I hear them. Anything from Battle of Brainless is funny. The Lindsey Buckholtz, Lindsey Buckholtz thing with Castiglione and Everett makes me laugh every single fucking time. And then there's pick your Curtis one. You know, at some point we're going to do the best of Curtis drops. We'll do like a bracket. We'll do 16 of them. I mean, you, you know, any Curtis one you want, you know, I mean, obviously everyone loves Good Weekend, but any of them, you know, we honestly think I wouldn't have it. But, you know, any of these drops will be and during the show, just to sort of let you in. Ken does a lot of them on his own. And Ken this is why Ken is the best in that chair I've ever worked with, because he understands our show. Our show. Other guys may like other guys more. But there are times we're in the middle of something and Ken knows the drop that we want. And it might be random. Might not be might not have done it for a couple of years. And we'll do it. And Ken knows it and plays it and it's great. Uh, my favorite Curtis drop 
of all. I, I do like the chicken gnocchi one right now. I mean, that's probably right now my favorite one. Um, my I like the chite one. The chite one with Curtis makes me laugh. I mean, obviously, like the turquoise one with mutt right now is hot. Sort of the newest ones make me laugh the most. I mean, there's a couple of great Jerry ones uh, from the past as well. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them. We're going to, you know, can't you do a podcast one day just doing all the best drops? Hmm. Let me see. What part of Ireland is your family from? Have you ever watched any Gaelic football or hurling? I have not. My family is, uh, my dad, my mom is from Nova Scotia. My mom is from Nova Scotia. My dad was from, uh, his folks came uh, from, uh, my, my, my grandmother came from Donegal. Uh, and my grandfather came from Turk's Head, which is a small little thing. You know, it's funny, you go to Ireland. And you run into people, they don't even know what Turk's Head is. And everybody knows everything about Ireland. We had this great tour guide, Eric, last time. Great guy. I'd never heard of it. Um, but it was a great, we, had, we went to Ireland. My, my wife, um, my wife, Christine, who was unbelievable with my parents. You, ha- you have no idea how incredible she was with my parents uh, during this whole process. Amazing, 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 amazing. Um, and continues to be as we go through all the post stuff. Incredible. And she loved my parents. She knew them for 25 years. And they loved her and she loved them. And, and you know, the relationship they had was incredible too. Uh, but she was unbelievable in this process. Anyway, she was there in Ireland. I was there. Originally, it was going to be me. Originally, the Ireland trip was pitched. Me, uh, my parents and Kate, my dad, who could be crazy sometimes, pitches to me, by the way, while I was having chemo one day. My dad said, I want to bring Kate to Ireland. Just Harry's too young. He won't really appreciate it. And I think he knew at the time that this was going to be it. You know, that this is going to be Kate's lasting memory with, with my grand, with my, with her grandparents, with her grandma and grandpa. And he wanted to take them. And, and I just, I said, dad, you know, it's just not feasible. What if one of you gets sick, which basically happened. My dad came back from Ireland. Next day was in the hospital for a couple of days. What if one of you guys gets sick over there and Kate's in the hospital? It just didn't work. So it was going to be me. Uh, Kate and my parents, and then my 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 wife and and Harry jumped in, so it became a family trip, and it will be the greatest trip we've ever had. I'm so 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 glad we did it last summer, summer 2016. Um, <clears throat> it was awesome. We had a tour guide brought us around. We got to go to Donegal for a few days, and my dad got to see his cousins, and we got to see the house that my grandmother grew up in, was born in. Uh, we took some pictures in front of there. We ate the restaurant next door. Greatest trip, greatest trip we'll ever have. I'm so happy we did it. Uh, and I love, 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 uh, love Ireland. Love it. Let me see. <clears throat> a lot of mud questions today. What's your running schedule routine? Somebody asked real quick. I get up very early now before the show. Uh, this week I haven't because of this accident. I feel all fucked up. But uh, there's a route in Winchester I do uh, early in the morning. So, you know, psychos. You want to come find me at 4 o'clock. Knock yourselves out. Will terrestrial radio matter in 20 years? Uh, Brian wants to know. I was talking to somebody here, uh, one of the higher-ups the other day. In 20 years, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea what's going to be going on in 20 years. Here's what I'll say about uh, terrestrial radio. It is still, remains, with satellite, which I have, I have Sirius, and with podcasts, which I listen to and you're listening to right now, it remains the only place where you can get compelling local talk the very next day after a big game or while something's happening during the day or something that feels localized. They have not figured out the local podcast or satellite market, I don't think, yet. So, yes, I think there's always going to be a place for it. Will the slice of the pie be as big now as it will be in 20 years? It will not. Will it still be significant? My guess is yes, it will be. Yes, it will be. I think 30-year-olds, 35-year-olds are still listening. They'll be 55. 50 years from now? I don't know. I have no idea. But most of my friends, and I'm in my early 40s, 42, 43 uh, next week, still listen to traditional radio. So, yeah, there you go. I think it will be. Uh, hmm. Seems you held back when discussion of John Dennis EEI level involvement with Jimmy Fun Golf came up. Please elaborate. Well, he said he played 20 times in 20 tournaments. My understanding is that's not the case, uh, that he was tweeting about stuff and the Jimmy Fun people said, hey, slow down. So I don't think, I think he's exaggerating his level of involvement. Will you try and do a podcast with uh, Big Star, uh, Barstool Big Cat and PFT? Yeah, we've tried. We've discussed it. They follow me on Twitter. I follow them. At some point, I think uh, I think that will uh, that will happen. Uh, I don't know when. I think when they're in town, I think that's going to happen. I don't know that yet. <clears throat> hmm. 
Why is there no KC merchandise? You guys could kill the t-shirts alone. We have been down this uh, down this road before uh, very many times. We are not doing that. We tried it. it, it we did it. Again, half-assed like everything else here. Half-assed. I, I don't feel like getting in the world of t-shirt business anyway. I really don't. It does not in any way uh, interest me. We do our show. We leave. I don't want to do coffee mugs and t-shirts and calendars and all that shit. I really don't. I really don't. Are you going back on TV? I am not. Uh, at least not with Comcast. We'll see. You never know down the line some other uh, some other stuff. Let me see here. We're getting. I'm getting a text from my program director. The uh, the week three ratings, which I already have. I had before he did. And hey, we won. What else is new? Number one. Congratulations. Uh, two, two, two. Hmm. Let's see. You want to do a couple more or no? Hmm. All right, I'll ask you a couple here. <clears throat> what does Maine mean to you and your family? I don't know if it means anything. It's the place where I'm most relaxed and I enjoy the most on earth. I mean, that's the bottom line. I like, I love being up there. If I didn't have to work, it's where I would live. That's where I'm, when I'm retired, that is where I will live from, let's say, April to November, maybe? Depends on where the kids are and the grandkids and all that stuff. But I love it. Love it, love it, love it. My parents loved it. I love it. Uh, my family likes it, really likes it. Can't get enough. It's the best, the best place on earth. Uh, what got you hooked on Springsteen? Again, I think I said this in prior podcasts is, <clears throat> you know, so that was like 84. I was nine, 10 years old. And Born in the USA came out. The album came out, Dancing in the Dark and Born in the USA. <clears throat> you know, these were, to me, Bruce Springsteen was just like, the back then I listened to the Top 40 all the time and he became his Top 40 phenomenon with Born in the USA and he was just the newest guy. He was basically like Boy George or David Lee Roth or, uh, you know, the Thompson Twins. I didn't know he was. But I liked Born in the USA and liked it more and more. And I had an uncle, my uncle Steve, uh, who was married to my aunt Sandra, who again was my mom's sister, who was phenomenal throughout the entire process of my parents too, her and her daughter Nicole. And uh, my uh, uncle Steve was a huge Springsteen fan from back in the old, you know, from the 70s. And he said, you like I had the Born in the USA album. And he said, you like this guy? I said, yeah. And he said, you know, there's more there. There's, there's more. And I thought, really? This isn't his first song? So he played me some of the older stuff, The River and Born to Run. I liked it, but I didn't love it because it wasn't new. I liked stuff that was new at that point. But it stuck with me, and it stuck with me all the way through you know, junior high and high school. I never had a period where I left. And getting to go back and find those old songs was great. I mean, you know, this is just the reality of the situation is I'm going to listen to Bruce Springsteen music all the time until I die. That's it. He's, he's my guy. Uh, hmm. Factor bullshit. Danny Picard or Christian Arcan would be perfect casting couch additions. We tried Arcan. I didn't think it worked. Uh, Jerry didn't think it worked either. Uh, and I think Jerry kind of got sick of Arcan on social media. He just kind of took some cheap, stupid shots. So I think he was done with them. Picard, we tried to have host a show at the very beginning. It was a week, a Monday, early on the Kirk and Callahan show, and he said no. And I think he said no again. I like Danny. Ran into him at the uh, charity golf tournament. Like him a lot. Uh, good, you know, good job on the weekends. I don't think he fits what we're trying to do. I think it's kind of a not a perfect marriage. What do you dislike about yourself? Hmm. That's a good question by Adam uh, Sabal. Sabalal. <clears throat> I don't like my hands. I mean, just, you know, if I'm going to be shallow. But I don't like... I don't like that I get frustrated so quickly with shit. Like today, we did a couple of really boring segments. I probably should have just said, you know what? It's fine. We're getting phone calls on it. Fuck it. Let's just do it. But instead, I become this baby and get all over dramatic and do my shit. Or, you know, it's really not that big a deal. It's one show. It's one segment. I do get, I do get frustrated sometimes at my own level of uh, intolerance with stuff like that. I don't like... I don't... I don't like that I am not... I don't like. I wish I. I wish sometimes I could be more social. I don't like them so antisocial. Uh, I don't think it's fair, like to my wife or, or to friends of mine or you know other people that I'm so goddamn anti. Like it's almost like, you know, I have some weird something going on. Right? I really struggle with that. I wish I could do a better job in that. There are times where I go into a room, and I'm so uncomfortable. I want. I can't, fucking can't get out of there fast enough. 
I think it'd be great sometimes just to be able to have a good time. Not, 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 not drink and go crazy, but just be able to relax and have a nice conversation. Occasionally I get there. If I'm in the right room, I'm comfortable enough. But, uh, but yeah. Why do you say goddamn all the time when you're an atheist, Matt Costello wants to know, because it's the only really only swear I can say. I mean, if I could say fuck on the air, you guys would be sick of me saying fuck on the air because that's all I would say. It's the greatest word ever. But, you know, can you just shut your goddamn mouth? You know what that is? That's a Peter J. Minahan, my dad. That's one of his words, goddamn. That's probably, in a way, sort of a silent tribute. He would just say, can you just do your goddamn homework? Or just just, just eat the goddamn food, would you? Would you? Come on, let's go. We got to, come on, let's, let's go. You have... Let's go get in the goddamn car. That was a frustrated uh, Peter Minahan voice. So maybe that's <clears throat> maybe that's it. Worst night of your life, says Silas Halloway. Hathaway, rather. I'm sorry, Silas. Uh, oh, I don't know. You know, there's been plenty of them. <clears throat> uh, yeah. I, I, uh, again, I think that's that's going to be a separate podcast that we get to at some point. How did you and Mutt become such good friends? Seems not fit given the different intellectual capacities of you two. Well, I mean, listen, plenty of people have dumb, stupid fucking friends. Mutt's my dumb friend. We did weekend shows together. Uh, they pair, Rob Bradford kind of put us together because Rob would do shows, and he said, you know what, just do some shows with Mutt. Uh, and Mutt was resistant at first, but then was great. Awesome. The first guy I did a lot of shows with, and I think we had the same sense of humor. We liked to gossip. We liked to make fun of other shows. At the time, we were weekend guys. We didn't have our own shows, so we thought every guy in the weekday sucked. We deserved our own chance. We bonded together through that. And I've always, you know, I've always had each other's backs. I mean, it just so happens, you know, he's been able to help me professionally. I've been able to help him. Uh, but, yeah, no, he's been a great friend to me, and uh, I think I've been a really good friend to him. So, I, I you know, uh, he'll always be my friend. He'll always be my guy. He'll always have a spot on the show. I don't even care uh, if he sucks or not, which he does a lot. He's always going to be on the show. Sorry. The way it's, it's going to be. What life lessons your parents taught you will you pass on uh, to Kate and Harry? It's hard to it's hard to isolate, but you do find yourself. It's funny that you find yourself saying things that you you, you could hear your dad saying. It's you, you say it and you're like, oh my god. I think my dad, you know, worked so hard. He worked so incredibly hard. And even as a kid, um, and I talked about this in the eulogy, which I almost feel like I want to read both those eulogies because I want people to know how great my parents were. So I wonder if some podcast at some point I'm thinking about having my brothers in together with me, and you know, I might read through parts of it and we'll just talk about my parents. Maybe at the year anniversary of, of one of them passing or maybe on their birthdays or something. I don't know if that's a good idea. Father's Day or Mother's Day. I don't know if you guys think that's a good idea or not. My dad worked so hard. He was the hardest working guy, person I've ever been around in my life. And I work hard too. I work my ass off. I work hard and I hope they watch. I hope they watch me, you know, when I'm not around early in the morning. They know that I'm here working in working on the podcast and working on the show and doing this and that. I hope they, they see that. Um <clears throat> For me, anyway, from what I can do and, and learn about that. Uh, and my mom is just the, the, the kindest person. She didn't have a bad word for anybody. And I, uh, that, that, that has skipped me, I think. But, you know, I think that my mom gave everybody a chance. She wanted to believe everybody all the time, which could hurt her at times. It was also a sweet quality. And, you know, I could see that in my kids already. They're young, but they have that. And, they, and, and, and I could pass on to Kate and Harry, but I think Kate and Harry got that from my parents. Harry, I don't think, is going to remember my mom or dad, really. Uh, <clears throat> Christ. But I think Kate will. And I think she's going to remember that of my mom specifically. Uh, and I think that's great. I think it's awesome. I wish uh, I wish um, <clears throat> I could, you know, pass more stuff on. Uh, I really do. But, yeah, but, but you know, I think it's... And I try, you try, you just try your best. You try and take all the... the, the uh, you try and take all the good things you learn from your parents and pass them on. You try as best you can to uh, not use some of the stuff you didn't like about your parents growing up. That's the best you can do. And by the way, some of the things you didn't like about your parents growing up are actually some of the good things you learned. You just didn't like them. Uh, so it's it's ongoing. It's ongoing. I know I joke about it on the air a lot with my parents because it makes it easier for me, but it's, it is ongoing. Let's do one more, shall we? Here, this is a... Uh, multi-day uh, effort here. Uh, let me see. Uh, no, I don't want to do that one. You know how to get ratings. You are a great host. If you ever got the opportunity to be program director, part of management, would you do it? We have a program director, I guess, technically, Joe Zarbano. Um, do I think I'll have a role in management in some form or fashion? That wouldn't surprise me. I think they that some people... 
think I have good instincts for this as opposed to other people. I think I'm always going to be, whether it's here or outside of here, I'm always going to be somebody who half the people hate and half the people like. And by the way, that's how you do this job. But yeah, I would like to have a bigger role, a bigger say in who goes where and who gets hired when and does this or that. I think I know what I'm doing. I think I deserve it. I think I'm smart about it. So yeah, I would like that. Yeah, I think at some point um, you're going to get that from me. Yeah. Uh, yes, the answer to that question is yes. Uh, hmm. I think we're done. I think I'm good. Uh, again, this, uh, for every question I've read, there's 10 I haven't read. We'll do one again, I think, before the end of the year. How's that? But you're going to start getting some guests here over the next few weeks. By the way, if you want me just to do po- just to do mailbags from that one, tweet at me and tell me you want me to just do mailbags. Maybe I'll just do them. I don't mind that. I really don't. I think if the questions are good and compelling, you know, if I do a mailbag every three or four times, fine with me. That's absolutely fine with me. I I, I don't have to have, you know, uh, but if I have a good guest on, I'm going to have a good guest on. But I'm not going to have guests on just to have guests on. So if you like the podcast better than the guests, let me know. Uh, at Kirk Bin or at the Kirk and Callahan show. At Kirk and Callahan. So that's enough about me. That's going to be episode back-to-back mailbags. Lazy fuck. Is going to be episode number 70. Is that right? We've done 70 of these? That's wild to think. Um but yeah, so that's that's it. Uh, from that end, Ken Laird is going to be producing this one. I think he's going to be the producer going forward. I think I'm going to have more of a hands-on in terms of booking guests and finding them. Uh, ben did an awesome job with that. Uh, <clears throat> so that's enough about me. Brought to you by Milton's The Store for Men, the exclusive, exclusive uh, podcast producer of Enough About Me. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a guest. I'm not doing three mailbags in a row. Uh, and I have a couple of ideas in mind. But again... I think I want to be more socially interactive. I have struggled with that to start with this podcast. Feel free to tweet me uh, guest ideas. Feel free to tweet me podcast ideas. That is absolutely fine. Uh, I welcome your input. I'd like you to subscribe, by the way, on iTunes and leave a rating. That helps me. That helps the sponsor as well. That helps Milton's The Store for Men, Chestnut Hill Square, Chestnut Hill, and South Shore Plaza in Braintree, which is my favorite clothing place on earth. There's nothing even close. Nothing even close. I have a great time. Uh, Every time I go to Milton's, I have a great time. You cannot go wrong at Milton's, which is the store for men and the sponsor of Enough About Me. We will talk to you in two weeks. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.